During the month of February, we are celebrating Black History Month by highlighting black leaders that have made a significant impact in education. So, what better way to start off this month than with my special friend, Mr. Demetrius Ball. He is going to share with us some great tips on how to be an active listener and use your active listening strategies in your day-to-day problem solving as a school leader. He's also going to talk to us about what it means to be a black male school leader and educator. And then at the end of the podcast, we have a new segment called the Principal's Rapid Fire Questions. This is going to be a lot of fun. You're going to want to stick around. I'm excited you're here and I can't wait for you to hear today's episode. It's going to be great. You are listening to the Educate on Purpose podcast. This show is designed to support school leaders that want to break down barriers in education. On this show, it doesn't matter if you're a mentor teacher, a district superintendent, or anything in between. Together, we fearlessly fight to provide quality education. We design joyous, caring learning environments, and we lead with clarity and purpose. Thanks for joining the Educate on Purpose family. Welcome to the Educate on Purpose podcast. I am Brandon House, here to help you lead purposefully, grow strategically, and care intentionally. And I am so excited for today. I have a great friend with me uh, on this podcast. I have the Demetrius Ball, and I am so excited that he is here with us today. He is a a great friend of mine. We met a few years back uh, in a mastermind from my friend, Mr. Danny Bauer. If you had not heard about the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast or betterleadersbetterschools.com, you need to go over there and check it out. But that's where uh, uh, Demetrius and I met. And so I am so excited for him to be on the show today. You know, he is a husband. He's a father of four. He's an army vet. He's a runner. Like if you haven't met, uh, you've never met anybody who runs more than me. I was a college track athlete, but if you follow Demetrius on his Twitter page, you can see that he is always running. I don't know if I can keep up with him, Uh, but even beyond that, he's also a middle school principal. And so uh, I'm just excited to chat with him today and learn a little bit about uh, what makes him a great principal and and some skills that he can share with you on how to grow in your school leadership. So Demetrius, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Brandon, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. That was amazing. Uh, I'm humbled by that. I'm humbled by the opportunity to join you today. Yeah, yeah. So I am so glad that you're here, man. Like, uh, I was uh, telling you this a little bit earlier, but, you know, when I was in the in the mastermind, I kind of I'm one of those people that likes to sit back and observe and look at who's all uh, around me. I'm very sort of particular about who I uh, circle myself with. And I noticed like when we were in the mastermind, you're, you're one of those people that like sits back you know, you're kind of quiet here and there. And then all of a sudden, when you have something to share, it's like gold. And so uh, I just knew like, man, who is this dude? I need to, I need to learn more from you. So I'm, I'm glad that you are, you're, you're on the podcast today. So um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and what makes 
you you wow so thank you again i think that that is a really good summary of kind of who i am that description from the mastermind. Honestly, I like to sit back and observe. Uh, I am a, a history guy by trade, a history teacher by training. Um, you know, you talked about in my in my bio, my my background in the army. Um, I, I actually always had the the dream of like, you know, towards the end of my high school career to become a teacher. Uh, the, I had the opportunity to. Um, go to West Point and become an army officer, but it was always a focus to get uh, into a school building and eventually become a principal. And uh, I I think I've gotten to this point uh, because uh, I am intentional and very similar to you, uh, who I surround myself with. And when I'm in a group, I I pay attention. I I read the room and figure out, okay, this is what we have going on. This is who's here. These are the different personalities. And when something sticks out to me, uh, that I, when I feel like I can really contribute, I, I like to be very thoughtful and deliberate when I provide suggestions and, and just make uh, make the discussion, make the uh, the lesson planning, make the, make the room better. And, and so I think that that's really important to do uh, as a leader. Um, I think one of the things that that's really uh, helped me in my leadership is just understanding, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the room and it's really important to, uh, to, to gather that information and, and figure out your spot and, uh, and, and make the best of it. Yeah. That's a, uh... I mean, see, I told you guys already, he is already sharing gold and we hadn't even gotten into the topic yet. This is crazy. So, yeah, you know, it's so hard to, um, you know, as a school leader to get into uh, the habit of slowing down and really being intentional about, you know, uh, paying attention to the people around you. It's really hard for you to really make sure that you are, are paying attention to what you're putting out there. And so there's always a fire to put out. There's always something to fix. There's always something to, to change up. And um, I, I'm just curious as, as a school leader, as a, how do you walk into a situation? How do you allow yourself to slow down? Because I'm sure just like me, you know, you have people knocking on your door, Mr. Ball, we need to do this. We need to do this. So what gives you that opportunity to just slow down and make sure that you're reading the room and, and paying attention? When it comes to situations where there's some type of immediate crisis, you know, it might be a crisis for someone else, but it's not necessarily a crisis for you in the moment. Uh, one of the things that my last principal that I worked for, Dave Kravitz, uh, he was the principal and I was one of his assistant principals. And he always told us assistant principals to to slow down and you don't have to come to a decision and right away when someone brings something to you. It's okay to take in information, ask questions, uh, take the time to go investigate and get back, back to them. He said, you know, one of the most important things is that you get as much information as possible, process it, and then make the best decision. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that you can do is rush to a decision just to pacify someone because ultimately you're the one that's in charge. You're the one, you're the decision maker. And uh, sometimes there are decisions that you have to make immediately, obviously when safety is in play and those types of things. But if there's no one that's, you know, immediately in danger, 
there's no reason to rush into into a decision making process. And so that stuck with me. And, and Dave is a former football coach and I'm a former football player and coach and so we really kind of kind of jived that way and so I really um, respect him and in the wisdom that he brought to the position and and helped me prepare for that so so just realizing that folks have a sense of urgency and and just taking in that perspective like hey you know what let's slow down let's let's talk this through and, and come to the best conclusion possible right right you know, and that is so true. Um, you know, I'm thinking about my transition from being a teacher to being uh, a teacher leader to being a school leader. You know, I always felt like there was this pressure to respond and to respond quickly. Um, but I am a methodical uh, thinker. I have patterns and routines that make me uh, better. You know, if I function outside of those routines, then what ends up happening is that I don't make the smartest decision. And so, um, you know, I'm just thinking about all of those listeners that are, um, you know, moving from just being a teacher to being a teacher leader or from, uh, you know, assistant principal to a principal, you, you know, the, the, the pressure seems like it gets uh, stronger, you know, heavier as you move up the ranks. And I know since I've known you, you've moved from being the assistant principal to being a, a principal at your school. Um, but how did you establish that, that, um, you know, that mindset and, and how did you establish that norm with your school It's like, Hey, I don't have to make a decision right now, even though this may feel urgent to you there, you know, there are other things that are important. So how did you set up that, that norm? I think it goes to your communication. That is a really important thing. When I was, again, just, when I got into education, my goal was always to eventually become a principal. And, you know, who knows you know, where I go from here, uh, if I go anywhere. But uh, just just having that thought that, you know, being the person in charge and kind of looking forward and always seeing myself in that position, I've always taken bits and pieces from, from those that, that I've worked with and worked for. And so uh, when I came into this role, um, I, I've just, you know, kind of established who I was and my beliefs, my core beliefs. Um, and, 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 I've, and I mentioned it you know, earlier about um, taking in the information, um, being vulnerable is, is an important component to that, not in just saying, hey, you know, I don't have all the answers. But one of the things that I think that helped me get the job is understanding that great leaders put great leaders around them. So finding finding folks that, uh, you know, fill the void of what you're um, still developing and growing areas, um, those areas that you're still developing and growing in, um, getting people that are really strong in those areas is, is really important. And, and it, when, it, when it comes to decision making, finding, using your resources, whether you work in a, uh, a big school district or, you know, you're a small charter school, um, you, you find the resources you you find the people, you find the subject matter experts that help you make important decisions. So I think that, yeah, that sense of urgency is something that, that comes about and it's important, but I always communicate to my staff like, hey, you know, this is the direction we're going. If you have suggestions, if you have tools, if you know people, let's bring them in to help us 
move the direction that we're trying to move. So just utilizing the people around you, utilizing the resources around you uh, to make the best decision possible. And that's what I've communicated uh, from, from the beginning um, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago when I took over as principal. Right. Right. Yeah, that is, uh, that's huge. And, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of that mindset also of having a strong team and being a part of, uh, you know, something collectively is also part of that military background that you've had, um, you know, and not giving up on your team and making sure that it, together you guys are making the right decision. You know, um, it also takes a little bit of, and, and I know that this is something that you're really, really good at, um, which is that uh, that active listening, you know, and, uh, you know, you, you we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but you consider this one of your uh, your leadership superpowers. And so, you know, once again, you have this crisis that comes into your room, into your office, you're working on a project, whatever it might be. And, you know, Mr. Ball, you know, this, this teacher, he's, she's doing this and I, you know, I need you to fix it today or you get that parent phone call. So, um, you know, just, if you could break it down for us, like, what does it take to be a, a strong active listener? What does it take for a leader to, um, you know, on the day to day, when you have those crises, you know, not, after you've set the norms, what does it take to, to really make sure that you're um, being a strong, active listener? As I mentioned before, and this this connects to just overall my leadership style is uh, three things that really stand out is uh, being humble, um, having discipline and establishing trust. Again, I don't have all the answers. I'll mm-hmm. never have all the answers. And I'm just coming in with that baseline, like we're going to work through the problem together. Oftentimes as an active listener, one of my goals is when folks bring a problem to me, they often can find the reason or excuse me, the solution themselves. If we mm-hmm. talk through it, they explain the situation. And if I ask the right questions, they'll eventually come into a solution or we'll come to a solution together. And so just understanding, like being humble that I don't have all the answers, but we can work through this together. Uh, A level of discipline is important too, because it's really easy to, when someone comes with a problem, to jump to your own personal decision and how you would fix it. If you were in that spot, this is what I would do type of thing. And you've got to pull back. I've got to pull back because sometimes I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you need to do. But what I would do isn't necessarily going to fix the situation for that particular person and what their personality is and, and all the different circumstances that right. go along with it. So so as a leader, you, you know, you have to have discipline. You can't fix everything. Like sometimes there are things like you just say, hey, this is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to be. And then other times, based on the situations, no. And then I think it also goes, uh, trust is really important. Uh, establishing the trust. Uh, again, if you don't have the solution or you do, maybe that discussion is, doesn't result in the, in the answer right away. And so uh, setting expectations for, hey, you know what, I don't know the answer right now, but I'm going to get back to you at the end of the day or at the end of the week. Just, just set um, an expectation and, and set um, 
uh, an agreement, just come to an agreement like, hey, I'm going to do some research or you're going to do some research and we'll come back at a later time and we'll work through and hopefully we'll be able to come to a solution. And mm-hmm. when we come back together, if we can't fix it, let's figure out what we need to do uh, for next steps. And so establishing that trust, being a person of your word, doing your homework, coming with, with some solutions, some resources, and then following through. So I, I think that a level of humility, being disciplined and establishing trust go a long way to be an active listener and helping solve solve problems that exist. I love that. You know, um, especially when you mentioned uh, to have that discipline, not to, to jump to conclusions and, and draw your own answers. You know, I have this, I have this terrible, terrible, uh, you know, just habit of somebody comes into my office and I'll sit back and I'll listen. Um, but sometimes I may be that person that says, oh, well, you know, uh, when I was in your, your seat as a teacher, I would do, uh, you know, I'd do this and this and this. Or the other thing is, is that sometimes as leaders, we get into this habit of, you know, um, it just would be easier if I did it. So sometimes I'm like, just let me, just let me do it. You know, uh, what, what's going on again? Let's explain it. All right. Now come follow me. I'll walk you through it and I'll just do it myself. And so I love that you're, you are allowing them that productive struggle and that's gotta be hard, but I love that productive struggle of, you know, you're sitting down with the teacher, you're sitting down with the parent or whoever it might be, and you're listening to them and allowing them to come up with their, their conclusions. That's, that's, takes discipline (laughs) you know and and another thing I just just to add on to that is when I went from teacher to assistant principal and then principal excuse me then assistant principal to principal delegation has been something that's really really difficult uh to to have folks you know having um having an admin staff that like does those little things like hey I'll make a copy for you I'm like I can make my own copy, <laughs> just like that type of thing. But, you know, that's that's part of the role. And just like, you know, breaking away and, you know, folks have a function. No lie. Util- utilizing them is really important. So. Oh, man. Oh, man. D- Demetrius, you must have been at my house last night because I'm no lie. I am sitting at my house with my wife and I'm like, man. I just got too many tasks I need to get done. I need to go through my calendar once again, and I need to figure out how I can redelegate things because I'm terrible. I know a lot of leaders are like this, where you are the you are the go getters. You're the ones that you know. You were that kid in class that when there was a group project, you just said, "Let me do it," and everybody else can get an A. That was me, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, like I struggle with having the discipline to say, you know what this is not my task. I need to delegate it to somebody else. I, I mean, can we, let's dig into that just a quick second. I'm, I'm yeah. curious about your method. Like how do you, what, what thought processes do you go through when it comes to delegation in order to make sure that like, Hey, I, I can make a copy. I know how to do that, but is that my role? How talk to, talk to us about like, how do you decide if this is something that's important for you as the principal versus if this is something else on somebody else's plate? Yeah, that's been really difficult um, for me, as I just mentioned, uh, just understanding that, you know, I, as the, as the principal, you know, there's a lot that's, you know, big picture. I set the vision and um, 
talk to my assistant principal and talk to my counselors and talk to uh, my admin staff and say, you know, these are the things that we want to accomplish. So, you know, for example, um, if the district says, hey, you know, we, we, we need these, um, these, these test scores, we need these results, or we need some data. And like, you know, I've got the computer system, and I can, you know, easily run that report. But that's more my registrar's role mm-hmm. or, you know, we're trying to figure out um, what students need uh, some additional interventions. And, you know, I know a lot of the kids, I don't know all of them and I don't know all of their needs. So why don't I have my assistant principal and counselors who have been working with students and making a lot of the direct phone calls and, and providing a lot of the supports that those students and those families need. How about I let them start that initial plan and then I come in at the end and say oh uh, you know what I agree with that rationale I don't maybe let's 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 look at this criteria a little bit different so so that's been that's been a process for me and and I think again going back to our earlier discussion having solid folks in place that understand um, what their strengths are and, and really utilizing them um and and, and sometimes I, I'll ask questions um when I'm, I'm used to just, again, you know, that doer, that doer inside of us, like, just mm-hmm. make it happen. And I'll say, um, uh, my assistant principal, because that's, that's one of the things that I really appreciated uh, about her is like, she's always coming in. She's like, what do you need? What are you working on? What, what can I take? And, uh, and so that's been huge. And, and as she continues to pull those things uh, away from me, uh, I, I'm starting to recognize a lot more. Oh, I don't need to I don't necessarily need to make that phone call because I can have one of our admin staff um, make those phone calls or I don't have to set up that spreadsheet. I can just say, Hey, these are the things that need to be on the spreadsheet. Can you make that happen? Right. Right. Yeah. That's uh that's great. And, and, you know, from your perspective, you know, would you say that this is more of a fear of like it not being done right or is it a fear of like putting more on somebody else's plate or is it just like you know you're just a doer um because for me i think uh i feel like it's more about putting something on somebody else's plate i I recognize i've been in every position teacher teacher leader uh you know assistant principal i've done it all and i know that every role has a lot so i'm like i can't i can't ask mrs such and such to do this because i know she's doing x y and z so for you like how do you reconcile that in your mind and and and, you know um is it is it more of a challenge of like uh, is it putting too much on somebody else's plate or what, you know? No, I, th- I think it's really just a, a function of um, my wanting to feel like I'm accomplishing, you know, like, I, like I'm uh, actually yeah. getting things done versus, um, you know, stacking too much on, on other people's plates. I think that um, as a leader, uh, you know, you've, just listening to your podcast and, and a lot of the great tips that you use. And, and, and I love how your podcast runs where, you know, you tell the story and then you break down, um, you know, your process. And, and I think that um, my, my process has been uh, one where um, a lot of times, you know, I, I just want to do it, but um, realizing, you know, the, the folks around me can do it. And so trust, like the trust factor hasn't been the issue. It's just been about a me factor. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I need to, uh, I guess, go back to humbling myself <laughs> and, and, and realizing, you know what, you don't have to do it all. Right. And, and so that's, that's, that's a, that's a constant process for me. That's a, that's definitely an area uh, of growth that, that I need to work on, but it's, right. it's, it's cool to, um, to see folks uh, that, th- that thrive on taking on more and, and doing more and, and supporting me. Right. So, so I pre- I'm appreciative of my staff that, that takes the initiative and does that. Right. You know, um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because, you know, for all the podcast listeners out there, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we address is, you know, uh, diversity in the classroom and diversity in, in the school building. And, um, you know, for all of the listeners out there, I say this all the time, like uh, I, 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 people always give me that, uh, oh, you don't you don't sound black. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny. Uh, but Demetrius um, is a, a, another another brother of mine. And uh, he's also, uh, you know, an African-American male, black male in uh, in education. And so, you know, one of the things that I valued also listening to your podcast, the, the AOS podcast, is just giving that perspective of what it means to be, you know, a, a black male in education in America. Um, and I know you, you've been itching. I, I, you know, I could see you sort of so proud today because there, there are a lot of things going on at your school. But, you know, from your perspective, what does it mean to be, you know, a black male school leader, at, you know, right now? Um, and, uh, you know, how have you been able to utilize this, this gift of being a black male, uh, at your school? Yeah, there are so many perceptions about what, what a black man is and who he is and how he portrays himself and the the things that he's involved in. And there's so many misconceptions uh, about who we are. And and there's no one definition of what a black man is. Um, You know, we're we're not a monolith, uh, just like any other group, you know, that we, there's nerds, there's, uh, you know, athletes, there's, you know, bookworms, there's, uh, you know, uh, just so, just so many diverse um, people, just like, just like everybody else. And, it's difficult to understand that when you don't have relationship with folks that don't look like you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it's, it's common for us, no matter where, if we're black or white, we're from India, we're from uh, China, whatever the case is, just as humans, we tend to stick with folks that, that look like us. Um, right. You know, and when I was growing up, my, my, my parents worked really hard to get me uh, uh, into uh, good schools, safe schools. So, you know, that's code for right. predominantly white schools. Right. And so I, uh, I was always in an environment where I was one of a few, uh, if any, black students. Right. And um, I got inspired to get into education because I had um, teachers, coaches, administrators that loved me. And um, at the time when I was from uh, sixth grade on, there was no one that looked like me. Um, mm. there, there weren't any black male teachers. There weren't any black women teachers. Um, and so I, I, yeah, you know, I was like, you know, I, I want to do this and I want to be the example, um, that, that folks need because, you know, I, I faced a lot of those microaggressions growing up, uh, mm. you know, c- can I touch your hair and, and all <laughs> those types of things. Like it just, just those things that are like super bizarre, right. but when you've never grown up around someone, um, it's, uh, 
kids will ask those types of questions. Right. But the but the long and the short of it is, I think it's um, you know it's important that my students and I, I right now I, I live in a community. Um, like my particular feeder pattern into my middle school is pretty diverse, mm-hmm. but you go on the north side of my district and the south side of my district, it is very, um, very homogeneous, um, you know, very <laughs> white in one area, very Asian in another area. Um, but I think it's very important in, you know, in my district, there aren't, a lot, there aren't a lot of black male educators. I'm the only black um, man that's a principal. Um, there's another that is uh, an assistant principal at one of our high schools, but it's so important for our kids to to see us, to know us, and to know we've got the same interests as everybody else, right. but because of how we're portrayed in the media, and that's really some of these kids and some of these families, that's their only interaction with a Black person right. is what they see on TV, and that's not even an interaction, right. um, and so I think it's really important that the folks in my community see me, they know me, they know who I am. And, um, you know, who I am at school is the same person I am in the neighborhood because I am blessed to actually live in the neighborhood um, that my, like, I'll walk through my neighborhood and I'll see some of my kids that are in my classes at, at my school. And oh, that's wow. super cool. And, and my kids go through the feeder pattern. So, you know, my, my, my oldest son is a sixth grader at my middle school. And okay. so I know a lot of his friends and I know the parents and just, <laughs> just that dynamic is very interesting, Right. but it's really cool uh, just because they know me, they know us. And uh, I think that breaks down a lot of the barriers just right. because of like what I look like on the outside and, you know, to, to go along with that, um, you know, I, I, I feel like it's part of my mission to grow the diversity of, of who we have on campus. And, um, you know, hopefully um, we're, we're going through a process, a hiring process right now. I can't really get into all the details, but mm-hmm. I hope that we are able to, uh, diversify um, the representation on our campuses, on right. my campus, and as a district, just uh, you know, to demystify. I mean, because 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 we look at you know what's what's happened over the summer, um, you know, in the spring and the fall with with the uprisings after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey. Right. Um, you know, uh, my community wasn't really having a lot of conversations. There would be things that popped up over the previous years, um, you know, because there'd be racist graffiti or, you know, something posted on Instagram by one of the, uh, one of the kids that's, that's, that's racist. And so coming to terms with those things, um, as a community, we have conversations, but we've been able to open it up when, and, and not like I'm the spokesman for all black men or all black people, but I, I'm able to share my experiences and conversations and I'm, and I'm here for that. Right. Because I think it's very important. Yeah, I mean, you you touched on so many different points, and um, you know, my background a little bit was I started my schooling as a kid in a, a predominantly black community. My parents got the opportunity not because of. Uh, having a significant amount of money, but because actually we we got evicted from our house and we had to find some place else to go, but we had an opportunity to move to uh, an affluent community through the grace of some friends. Um, and there, uh, once again, affluent community also means predominantly white. And I was, you know, one of few, um, you know, minorities at my school, and 
then that turned into me going to a, you know, a university where there weren't very many people. I, you know, I have a podcast episode with my roommate um, and we talk about just our experiences uh, of being, you know, a black male on a predominantly white campus, which was good and bad, you know, in some ways. And so uh, I found that it was important for my school to have the diversity the representation and you know we we have a fairly large school or we have three different campuses we have you know 1400 students and we have a, a wide range of you know uh, different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds because we feel like it's good like you said to have that representation just to build those conversations um, you know but sometimes in, in in my career not at the current school I'm at but in past schools I felt like I that little sense of tokenism you know that I'm the the one black male that can speak for every black person in America you know I'm that one black person that at the school that knows everything about black culture um and I ran into those situations in education um and you know I'm just curious is, is that something that you've run into and if so like how did you handle that um this is man we're taking it deep (laughs) but we we are uh you know i I think i've been fortunate not to uh run into situations where um you know where something was said or um you know i felt i've 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 (laughs) it's interesting i've had conversations uh more recently again after um the the spring uprisings where where folks have have shown their true colors uh, mm. to me um, by making comments, and 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 when I say true colors, I just just the ignorance and lack of awareness that racism exists mm. because they've they've grown up in their bubble and they've stayed in their bubble. And again, if 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 something doesn't have an impact on you, it's not really concerned to you. Right. And I think that's what that's where the change is going to come when we have. Um, white people just as upset and angry about how black people have been treated um, and and the lack of opportunities and um, the uh, aggressions, the microaggressions, the racism, um, the inequalities when those, uh, when folks, when the folks that are in power or that, that have the influence are upset by by the current structures, the current system, uh, that's when we're going to have change. But you know, I've I've been fortunate. You know, I, I think I think back to when I was teaching. I never I never had a situation where um, um, where where I felt like um, I was I was the token necessarily. I, yeah. um, you know, maybe maybe I was, <laughs> maybe I was, and I just didn't <laughs> realize it. You know, but um, but but yeah, I, I felt I've, I've always felt like I've been um welcomed into every situation and again most of most of this places right. that i taught i was the only only black teacher on, right. on the staff or one of a couple right you know and i i, I like that a lot because it, mostly what i found in my experience with education and this is i know this is definitely not true everywhere but you know being uh you know a a, a black male in education, most of the scenarios that I've walked in as a teacher or as a teacher leader, the the people around me have been um, willing to accept me, um, you know, and so, you know, oftentimes the the awkward situations or the uncomfortable situations have been just, like you said, out of sheer ignorance. Um, And so, you know, 
it, it's it's good to have that um that conversation so you can build those you know those relationships so they know more about you um and, yeah. and know your genuine background yeah and i and I'll also say, I, th- I think that also, um, and we've talked about this on my podcast, is uh, a, a lot of times Black males are um, considered the disciplinarian. Oh, yeah. You know, we, 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 we get those roles as deans. Um, uh, and uh, even in the classroom as teachers, if there's a student that's acting up, you know, go see uh, Mr. Ball. Because, right. uh, you know, right. he, can, he, can, he, he handles all the black students. Right. Um, yeah. You know, fortunately, I, I never, I, I, I maybe I experienced that twice, I think. But for the most part, um, I was, I, I was seen as uh, a professional just like everyone else like you Man. know and, uh, and, and, and an instructor like i, I gotta, <laughs> like, okay, like I gotta tell this story so so okay. literally i graduated from my college in in december and i remember i did student teaching from from august to december at the school and in december i graduated the principal at that school calls me and says, Hey, you know, you need to come back in, in two weeks. I think I have some opportunities for you. Uh, so I came back at the, after Christmas break and I would never forget, I walk into the, the office and I hear the, the principal's door is closed. I hear him screaming at the current Dean who was not black. And he's saying, I don't think you understand our kids, you know, you, this and this and this. And I just hear you're done, go home. And so I, he walks out and I walk in and he says, Hey, you know, um, the, I was going to talk to you a little bit about there may be some opportunities for you to be a paraprofessional at the school, that type of thing, but we need a Dean and you understand black kids. Can you do that? And and that was my first job right out the bat. Off the bat was, you know, um, dean. I hadn't even taught yet. And I, I did a dean role for my first job in education. And I've talked to so many people who have run into that situation where it's like, you're black. You understand black kids. Why don't you take care of this situation and, and go from there? Um, and so that was sort of my like dipping the toe into education i i didn't even know anything about how to be a good classroom manager how to manage difficult you know situations talk to parents none of that it was you understand black kids why don't you take care of this situation and so that was like wow you know um there's so many people so many people that run into those types of situations yeah and and that and that's wild that we could get put into that box again like we're not a monolith like you know who's to who's to say that in your experiences you ever interact with with any other black people (laughs) (laughs) so so, you know yeah i yeah 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 yeah, that's 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 a problem that's a problem and you know if we want go ahead go ahead oh i was just gonna say you know like from my perspective i found that it was like I'm grateful that I had the opportunity, you know, and I've learned it, that actually sort of sparked me wanting to work more in urban education because I knew that there are so many of these systems that weren't working well. And we had to create, we, we have to create systems for our students and for our, our, our learners to make sure that they're being successful. And I learned that, at, you know, being a Dean, but, you know, 
I, did I want to have that label of, hey, you're the black man that can talk to black teachers, not or black students? No, I didn't, you know, I didn't want that, um, you know, so it was big. That was tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What's up, everybody? I wanted to tell you about my brand new website and our brand new leadership community. It's called the Educate on Purpose Leadership Network. This is going to be huge for all of you school leaders out there that are looking for a way to build meaningful, supportive, long-lasting relationships with other school leaders. If you want to have an opportunity where you can share your biggest challenges, where you can get professional development and feedback on your greatest ideas, if you want to find a place where when you're feeling burned out, you want to recharge, then you need to head over to the Educate on Purpose Network. This network is going to have a ton of resources. So we'll have the School Leadership Academy where you you will be able to look at some of the courses that are on there. We'll have a weekly mastermind. We'll also have an exclusive community forum where you can talk a little bit about the specific issues that you are dealing with as a school leader. And then there are some opportunities to have some one-on-one coaching where you can reach out to me and I can chat with you for a little bit of time just to help you nail down your next big idea for your school. And the great thing about this right now, since you guys are listening to this podcast, you will have the opportunity to get the first month free. Yes, I know it's crazy, but the first month is free and you can join the Educate on Purpose Leadership Network. So all you have to do is head over to brandongehouse.com slash EOP network. That's brandongehouse.com slash EOP network. And you can sign up for your first 30 days free to join the network. I hope to see you guys there. I know that there are a lot of school leaders out there who are looking to share their voice out with the masses, who, like me, have a lot of things to say about education. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you a little bit. Anchor is free. And the great thing about Anchor is there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. The other great thing about Anchor is that it will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimal listenership. And it's everything you need right in one area to make your podcast. It's great. So if you're curious about how to start your own podcast and share your voice with the masses, then download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So, all right, now uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to get to the end of the podcast here. And this is the rapid fire question round. This is, the, this is new for all of the listeners out there. I thought this would just be fun uh, for anybody who's a guest on my show. We, we are going to do a few rapid fire questions about uh, leadership. And these are going to be fun. And so here's the rules, Demetrius. 
I'm going to give you a rapid fire question and with a sentence or less, you have to give your answer. And then I may ask you to, to elaborate um, and we'll go from there. All right. Okay. All right. So I'll give a short answer. All right. So I know also some of my questions are about athletics. You know, I'm a huge sports fan. So, um, you know, I know you're, you're an athlete as well. You did football. Uh, so we, we've got some things in common here. All right. You ready? All right, let's do it. Here's, here's the first question. If you had the opportunity to add any course to your school's curriculum, what would it be and why? I'd have to say uh, some type of community service type of class where that's the main focus, where we're getting into the community and we're figuring out ways to serve. And I can, and I can see, um, you know, our CTE programs and, and our arts programs do some of those types of things, but specifically how, how can we contribute to the community uh, around us? What keeps you up at night? Right now it's homework. I'm doing uh, grad classes. And so um, making sure that I'm staying on top of all that reading mm-hmm. and writing. Oh, so yeah. um, that's outside of my regular day-to-day type of stuff that, <laughs> that yeah. keeps me up to. Uh, I, I, I pray for you, brother. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Because I did it with two kids. I have five now, but I can't imagine trying to do that with four. Hey, keep them coming. I'll take those <laughs> prayers. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, I'll take your prayers too. One thing you wish more people knew about you. That I don't take myself very seriously. Like, as you mentioned before, like in the mastermind, like I'm super quiet, (laughs) but I love to have fun too. And I don't take myself, I might be quiet. I'm in a room, in a meeting, I got a straight face or, you know, maybe I'm frowning or whatever the case is, but like, I don't take myself super seriously. So okay, do you do you get this? I get this all the time. I'm walking down the hallway, and uh, uh, the other day, a a teacher stopped me and said, "You know, you, I can't believe uh, that you're always just so angry." And I was like, "I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just quiet." (laughs) Like she's like, "Oh, I'm afraid to talk to you some days because you're, you're just, you're just so quiet." And I was like, "Well, I'm just a naturally quiet person." (laughs) But yeah, that's funny. I got that when I was in college. My my wife and and her friends used to call me serious Demetrius because I was like, if I'm just like not doing anything, I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of there. And that's that's just how I am. (laughs) I got, my wife used to call me cautious Carl. I used to just be, I'm a thinker. (laughs) So, all right. Mm -hmm. Next question. Uh, Describe your leadership style in a song. All right. One of my favorite songs is motivation by the artist canon uh i I used to listen to that when i was in the classroom i listened to that every day on my way to work and it just got me fired up and uh check it out uh it's just one of those like you know head bops but just keep you motivated about you know getting out there and getting after it okay yeah you know i like it i have a few albums by uh canon so yeah i haven't heard that one but i'm gonna have to check it out we'll probably link it in the in the show notes as well um all right this is this is the hot topic here. I don't know if you're ready for this one, Demetrius. Now, don't get this one wrong. This is a right and a wrong answer. All right. Okay. Uh, rapid fire question. The last one. Who is the goat? The greatest of all time? Is it LeBron, Jordan, or Kobe? Hold your breath, everybody. LeBron. LeBron. It has okay. To be LeBron. Oh no, no. Okay. Wait. <laughs> I can't. 
Yes. Yes. All right. Let's, let's All right. go. Let's go. Tell me why. Le- Wait. Le- LeBron- I don't know how old you are, but LeBron, like the legend, every every other basketball player on the planet grew up learning how to shoot like Jordan, how to move like Jordan. Everything like I, there's no yeah. question that the Jordan is by far the the greatest of all time. There's no question. I can't even believe that. Anyway, okay, C- can I go, explain? Go. Can I? You, you can go. Give uh, my <laughs> give my side. Um, no, but but uh, you know, I know this is this is a good question, and it's and it's a difficult one because just like you said, I think Jordan is the foundation that um Kobe definitely and LeBron both um you know have built upon and I think that's that's the that was the th- that's the thing for me I mean you take Jordan you know I grew up um you know Jordan you know in his in his prime you know making things happen and and I think you know he's definitely an icon I mean like Mike you know Space Jam you know he He's the Jordan brand. Right. He is a you know billionaire. He owns his own team now, and you know, you know, our kids they have no concept of what Michael Jordan was to basketball. He mm-hmm. he changed he changed the league. Right. He changed what basketball's done. But I think uh, in, in Kobe, you know, all his greatness. I think he was he he wanted to be Jordan, and I think he in his basketball career he strove for that that after his basketball career short as that time was before his 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 passing you know god rest his soul um you know he he was he you know turned that mama mentality into what he was doing outside of sports so that you know that that's amazing but i think just for me lebron is um you know not as many championships as those other two but he when i think of the greatest of all time i think about beyond basketball Mm -hmm. and i think the impact that that lebron is making is it's gonna last longer than Kobe and Jordan both? Right. I don't know. Jordan Brand might last forever, <laughs> but uh, but I think you know LeBron and, and all he's done uh, to help the, the the game. You know, you think about you know the big three. I know the Celtics had their big three mm-hmm. uh, before LeBron, but I think he, he's changed you know the way that free agency works and how you build a team. Um, just as much control as he had, I know Jordan had his, you know a, a ton of control but not as much as, as LeBron right. uh, in, in how to make moves. I think business-wise, I, I, I think we're, he's going to have impact outside of basketball that many of us won't even know. Right. And I'm sure right. Jordan has and Kobe has, but I, I think LeBron is, is on another level, starting his own school. And I think we talked about this. I mean, Jalen Rose, you know, set the model for, for basketball players creating their own charter schools. Right. Uh, so, listeners go check out um what Jalen Rose uh has done with his academy yeah. in Detroit um lots of love to him um you know what LeBron's done and uh you know how he's helping kids and helping communities so mm-hmm. I, I think just culture wise and I mean you know you talk about the social justice movement uh he's been he's been loud Jordan had that opportunity um but that wasn't the thing yeah. in, in, the, in the 90s right um, right 
you know, right. same, you know, same with Kobe. But um, yeah, I think I think LeBron is, uh, and plus I'm I'm biased because I'm from Ohio, so uh, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where the root could come from as well. So <laughs> there you, know. you go. But I'll admit it. I'll admit that. <laughs> well, you know, this is I love this question just because you hit on it. This is this is more beyond the skill of being a great basketball player, but you know, all of these uh, basketball players are great leaders in their own right. And so, um, you know, there's a lot that you can learn from leadership, you know, when watching these three players and and the things that they did, they took the opportunity of being a great basketball player and turned it into other leadership opportunities. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a great conversation. Um, I'm glad that you were, you were bold enough to say LeBron, uh, we may have to, we may have to talk about this a little bit later, but I'm I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. (laughs) Yeah. So Demetrius, for all the listeners out there, this is, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate it. Um, And I'm so glad that we have had the opportunity to become friends. And I hope that you guys uh, gained a lot of uh, great knowledge from Demetrius today. I appreciate you. You, you are such a helpful um, person to, to model our leadership after in terms of uh, what we do in school. So I appreciate you there. So for all the listeners who want to learn more about you and your podcast, where can they find you? Uh, How can we make sure that you get a little shine? Awesome. Thank you for that. Brandon, I really appreciate, again, the opportunity to join you. This has been a great conversation. But for those that want to connect, I'm on Twitter at Demetrius underscore Ball. And uh, my podcast, the AOS podcast, we uh, are three Black men uh, that are all school leaders, uh, myself in California, um, Dr. Uh, Vashon Smith is in St. Louis, and Brother David McGuire is in Indianapolis. Um, AOS stands for Alpha Omega Sigma. We are all um, members of Black Greek uh, fraternities. And we came together um, uh, just connecting through the A Black Hands. If you're not aware of the A Black Hands, check them out. Um, Sunday, was it 9 p.m. East? But uh, we meet, we do our podcast every other Wednesday uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, You follow us on our uh, YouTube page, AOS podcast on uh, Twitter. Um, we're live on Facebook. So on Wednesdays, uh, we had our last one on uh, inauguration day. And so we were up uh, in uh, one more week. So uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I'd love to connect yeah. with anyone. Um, it's been an honor. It's been an honor to be on. Brandon, yeah. Thank you. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, as I said before. And uh, go ahead, check out Demetrius and the AOS podcast. Listeners, you are amazing. What you're doing right now in schools means a lot, especially during this time, and we appreciate you. So get up every single day uh, and walk into your schools and make a difference. And remember to educate on purpose. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe on your podcast app. You can find this podcast wherever you love to listen to your favorite podcast. Also, don't forget to head over to brandongehouse.com slash EOP network. There you will have the opportunity to join the Educate on Purpose Leadership Network, where you have access to courses, community forums, a weekly mastermind, and one-on-one coaching. 
all designed to improve your school leadership. And get this, if you join today, you get the first 30 days for free. You don't want to miss out. So head over to brandongehouse.com slash EOP network. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Brandon House or join the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Mr. Brandon House. Thanks again for listening and remember to educate on purpose.